All right, if you got your Bibles there, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. Cognizant of the fact tonight that uh, it's midweek, many of you are weary, many of you are sick. Through the conversations that I've had over the past couple of weeks, there are many that are battling through tough seasons. So my desire tonight is to keep this relatively short, be an encouragement as we go into our time of prayer. Let's read Psalm chapter 13 together. Let's go ahead and stand for that, and then we will pray and start this study for tonight. Psalm chapter 13 says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Let's go ahead and pray, and then you can be seated. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, you are good to us. Father, despite the circumstances of our lives, despite the complexities of what happens around us, the complexity that we see within the world, within the political systems, within the things that are going on, Father, you never change. Father, you are always good to us. Father, tonight as we study your word, and then as we come together and as we pray, Father, I pray that our hearts would be lifted Father, we would desire to, to glorify you. Because, Father, you are good. In your name, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Again, thank you for being here tonight. Psalm chapter 13, we can really break this psalm down into three sections. Verses 1 and 2, we see David's heart condition. In verses 3 and 4, we see David's heart cry. And then verses 5 and 6, we see the comfort of David's heart. And for those of you that like to line things up and, and maybe make things rhyme, I am not that guy, but you can move David around a little bit there if you want to make those things line up. Four times in this short passage, passage David asks the question, Lord, how long? I'm sure... Like me, many of you have asked that same question. God, how long? How long must I endure? How long must I pray? God, how long? So what is David facing? What's he feeling? The first thing that we see is that he feels forgotten and forsaken. He feels like he's in the dark. 
Have a look at verse 1 there. He says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? All of us can identify with this. Maybe you are going through a battle right now. Maybe you have to think back on a battle that you have been in, something that you've wrestled with, but, but it happens to all of us. We all battle. We all have seasons of struggle. We all have seasons where we feel isolated, where we feel separated, where we feel like somehow we just don't quite fit in. This is the kind of feeling like when you are a young person and you are moving to a new school. You don't know anyone and you're hoping to meet someone and despite all the people that are around you, you still feel lonely. You still feel isolated. This is the kind of feeling you get when, when you want to be part of a team so badly. And it comes to that day where the, the coach, where the selection team is handing out the jerseys and you're standing there hoping against hope that maybe, maybe this time I'll get a jersey. And as the jerseys are handed out, and one after one, and you're the one who's standing there at the end with empty hands. You feel forgotten. You feel forsaken. This is the kind of feeling when you poured your heart and your soul into something or into someone and you've spent years working and toiling only for it or for them to be seemingly stolen away from you. And that's where David is at when he brings this to us. To be excluded from or to be isolated from human relationships is painful. It can be devastating. But the isolation that David is describing here, that feeling of isolation from God is so much deeper. It's so much heavier. What we see in David's experience in the depths of his anguish, in the, in the depths of his, his depression and despair, we see that just like what we so often do his perspective, his perception is off. It's not accurate. What David feels to be reality is not reality, but it feels real. 
whether it is reality or not, does not change, it does not diminish the fact that he feels the way that he feels. And the same applies to you. The fact that you feel the way that you feel right now in your discouragement, in your pain, in your anguish, we have a distorted view of what God is doing, but it still feels real. It still hurts. We see the same sort of mentality with the people of Israel over and over and over again. And they say, surely God has forgotten. In Isaiah 49, we pick up a glimpse of God's response to one of those moments. Isaiah 49, 14, it says, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. We see the response. It says, Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should have not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Verse 16 says, Behold, I have graved thee upon the palms of my hand. Thy walls are continually before him. David has lost perspective, and he feels it in his very soul. He, like some of us here tonight, or some of you at home listening online, feel forgotten, feel forsaken. We also see in verse 2 that he feels sorrowful and secluded. There is a battle between his mind and his emotions. Verse 2, how long... How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Why do I feel the way that I feel? Why can't I just conquer this? Why can't I get past this? Why can't I figure this out? God, why is this continuing to happen? Why can't I get some reprieve from this? What is happening here happens to so many of us. David turns it over and over and over and over again in his mind. And if David's anything like I am, I'm constantly trying to strategize and figure out how do I fix this? What do I have to do? How do I make it look better? How do I reshape this so that it's not hurting so much? But the longer he tries to figure it out, the longer he thinks about it, the longer he surrenders his mind to it, the more he dwells in self-pity. The more he spends time in a place where he should not be. And to add insult to injury, we see in verse 4, he says, And my enemies are laughing at me. 
David's perspective, his mindset, his outlook is off. And so often that's exactly where my heart goes. When I'm in a struggle, when I'm in contention, when we are warring. Verse 4 says, Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against thee, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David's looking at the situation, and he's looking at how other people are looking at the situation. So where does this take us? Where do we so often end up in these situations? How do we typically, as, as men, as humans, how do we respond to this type of hardship? There's typically two ways that we go. Either we end up wasting a lot of time. We get lethargic, we get despondent, and we just, you know what, it's just not even worth it anymore. Nothing's going right for me. Why do I even bother? I might as well not even get out of bed. We stop doing the basic the simple things. We stop making the bed. We stop cleaning up in the house. We stop doing things, dressing properly. We start doing this stuff because we're in this place where our heart has gone to the wrong spot. And if we don't do that, the opposite is we end up trying to bring so much stuff into our lives to fill in as much time as we can so I don't have to think about it. I want to consume my time every moment from the time that I wake up till the time that I go to bed. I want to pack in there as much stuff as I can so that I just don't have to feel the pain anymore. I don't want to think about it. God, why is this in my life? Why haven't I been able to deal with this yet? I don't feel like I'm getting an answer for you, so I'm going to put more stuff in my life. And that's typically where we go. We go one way or we go the other. We become destabilized and fear creeps in. Anger creeps in. Frustration creeps in. And instead of drawing closer to the brethren we push away from other believers because they don't understand what I'm going through. You know, my dad taught me a few things uh, when I was growing up and even especially as I was a young adult, he taught me a few things that are wise not to do when you're in these positions. One of the things he told me is don't make major decisions when you're in a situation where your heart is being torn, where you're in a situation where you are struggling, where you are contending, where you are battling. Don't make major decisions. Why? Because your thinking, your emotions are influenced by that. Another one he taught me was don't send or don't communicate in important ways during that time period. Why? Because we whack out a quick email, bang, hit send, and it's gone, and we didn't really think about it. And again, that, that communication is influenced by my emotions at that point in time. One of the greatest places that we see this is social media. 
where something happens to me and the first thing I do is whack it on whatever your social media platform is. I'm not on social media, so I don't even, other than Facebook and Twitter, I don't even know what exists anymore. There's probably another 15 that you guys are on and I don't know about. But we're quick to just throw this onto this social media platform and it's gone. It's out there forever. Just slow down. Think about what you're saying. Maybe step away from social media for a little while. The last one here that my dad taught me, don't judge your own or anyone else's spiritual condition when you're in these points of discouragement. Don't judge your own and don't judge other people's spiritual condition when you're in these points of discouragement. Why? Because I look at myself in these points of discouragement and I'm loathing of myself, and I question why on earth would God want this piece of junk? And I look at you, and I do the same thing. Look at all these things you're doing wrong. You're supposed to be building me up. You're supposed to be helping me. You're supposed to be encouraging me. But what are you doing? You're living your life, and you're so special. We begin to judge each other, don't we? Be careful when we're in these moments of discouragement not to judge others and not to judge our own spiritual condition. Let's come back to the text. Have a look at verse 3 here. We see the next part of this, David's cry, the cry of David's heart. Verse 3 says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. It's important, first of all, that he does cry. He does cry out to God. David knows this in Psalm 32, verse 3. You remember, he says, When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through the roaring all the day long. It's important to cry. It's important to cry out to God. And for those of you who are men here, and you're going, hang on a second. That's not how I grew up. I had to learn to cry. I came through the military and I was calloused and I was hard and I sat with a pastor friend and he counseled me through some stuff that I had dealt with in the military and we got to the end of the conversation and we'd not ever talked about crying. And he said, Phil, I'm going to pray that you learn to cry because you are hard and you are calloused and if you can't mourn and weep about these things, how can you cry out to God? Some of you come from generations where crying is a sign of weakness. God wants us to cry out to Him. We need to come before God humble and weak and be willing to weep before Him. You see, it's not, men, it's not good for, for us to live in the realm of denial when the storms break over our heads. And I'm talking in particular to you here right now. If we try and suck it up, you ever been told that? Just suck it up. Yeah? Take some, a can of harden up. Yeah? 
If we try and brush it off, if we simply try and avoid it, if we try and downplay it, we do harm to ourselves and we do harm to the others that are around us. David directs his cry, and this is what's important. He directs his cry to God. How often do we direct our cry to anyone who will listen to us winch? This is my situation, and this is why it's so much worse than everybody else. But David directs his cry to God. And when we cry out, when we come before God, He hears us. David helps us here with this example in the midst of his hardship, in the midst of his tears. He cries out to God and he says, Consider me, O God. Consider me, O God. We don't talk about it much in church, but when a person reaches that point of despair, when there seems to be nowhere else to go, David describes it in this way. He says, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Because the overwhelming pressure and the burden of these things, real or perceived, may be such as to discourage us so much as unto death. You know, in Australia, each year more than 3,000 people take their own lives in suicide. Most of those people wouldn't have the hope that we have. Most of those people wouldn't have the relationships and the encouragement that we have. But here is David, a man after God's own heart, saying this is so intense, this is so deep, this is so painful, that God, I don't know if I can make it. Listen to what David says next, because... We do have hope. You have hope. He says, God, lighten my eyes. God, turn the lights back on. God, draw my eyes back to you. God, help me to take my eyes off this situation, this pain, this battle, this wound that goes so deep. God, turn the lights back on. Let's look at the last couple verses and let's see David's comfort. Why I love these verses and why they've come so much to mean to me is that nothing's changed. We, we don't see some miraculous resolution for David's problem. We don't see some sort of amazing event occur and suddenly the problem doesn't exist. No, David's still in the problem. But something has changed. We see a change in David's perspective. We see a change in David's outlook. 
His perspective has changed because he turned to God in prayer. His, his outlook, his perspective, his vision has changed because he cried out to the living God who can change our hearts, who can encourage us. Verse 5, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Verse 6, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Notice the change in language he's using here. He went from woe is me to I have trusted. My heart shall rejoice. I will sing. He hath dealt bountifully with me. There's this complete change in the way that he's talking. Why? Because he's changed perspective. His situation hasn't changed. His perspective has changed and his language changed with it. This is the lesson, isn't it? We need to bring our emotions underneath the sovereignty of God's character and God's Let me say that again. We need to bring our emotions underneath the sovereignty of God's character and God's purpose. The feelings of David's heart were real. But now he's been deliberate in the matter. It's as if David has gone and read and applied Romans 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's like David has grabbed that. Now, obviously, he couldn't grab that. But it's like he's grabbed hold of that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 5. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. So trusting, and then you will notice rejoicing. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I have trusted, past tense. I will rejoice present tense. So where do you go? Where do you go when you look at the shattered pieces of your experience and it looks like that failure is almost absolutely definite? Where do you go when the pain seems too much to bear? is when you remind yourself that you, O God, are sovereign. That you, O God, love me with an enduring, unspeakable love. That you, O God, know the beginning from the end and in a broken, trembling voice you cry out, God, I trust you. I don't understand. There's intentionality here, isn't there? There's a choice to make. 
I can wallow in the mud of my situation, or I can choose, as David did, to look to the Father and have Him clear the mud from my eyes and to rejoice in the salvation that I have in God. Let's close there tonight in prayer. Father, again we come before you, and Father, so often we look at our lives and the situations that are occurring, and Father, in our deep hurt, in our pain, in our lack of understanding, our perspective gets skewed. And Father, instead of looking to you, I look to myself to resolve the situation, to somehow explain away the situation. Father, I, I dig in deeper and I add things to my life to try and take away the hurt. And Father, what I need to do is to humble myself before you. Father, to cry out to you because you are a God of mercy. You are a God of order. You are a God of peace that is unspeakable and that we cannot understand. Father, you are a God of love. You are a God who knows all things. Nothing catches you by surprise. So, Father, tonight, teach us to cry out to you. Teach us to rejoice in you. And, Father, as David says, teach us to sing to you. Father, you are good and we love you. In your name, amen.